and this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. Testament book of 1 Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Benithia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. This is the word of the Lord. So tonight we're talking about choose to be different. What does it mean to be different? Uh, It's not always good to be different, but it's not always bad to be different either. Sometimes just how you say something can determine whether something is good or bad. For example... If I were to say to you, something is different about her, that would be good. But if I said, something is different about her, it would mean it's not good. I wasn't pointing at any specific her in in that moment. But sometimes we, we want to stand out. Sometimes we want to be different. For example, if it's Christmas time and we get exactly what we're looking for and we're a student, we can't wait to go to school and show people our new Christmas gift. Or if we got a new car, we can't wait for our friends to see it so they can say, hey, I like that car. Or our new apartment, we want to be different. And sometimes we don't want to be different because sometimes we we eat Indian food and we get an orange stain on our white shirt and then you have to go preach. And you don't want people to see that orange stain on your shirt. So you rub and rub and anyway, you you don't want to stand out in a different way. That actually happened today. I got most of the stain out. Um, But sometimes we don't want to be different either because maybe you've identified as a Christian and and you hear some people at your work and they're bashing Christians and then you enter the room and they say, how can you identify with people that would do something so hateful? Sometimes it's not good to be different, but tonight we're going to see how there is a difference that God has made in our lives and there's a reason why he wants us to choose to be different. In fact, I want us to go back to what Paul just read for us in the first verse, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. So we're doing this new sermon series, and we're going to go verse by verse through this letter. And we'll start with the beginning. And it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And in this day, you didn't write your name when you wrote a letter. Today, we write a letter to someone. We say, Dear John, and at the end, we put our name. And standard protocol for this day was to put who it was from in the very beginning. So it's just from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And then he says, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, those, that dispersion of the people, those provinces that it talks about here, all make up modern-day Turkey. So if you took the nation of Turkey... And, and divided it up in these four or five, uh, one, two, three, four, 
five areas, you would see that it, it made up the full uh, scope of who Turkey is or what, where it's at geographically. But what he's talking about here is, and it's interesting, is he uses the word elect exiles. If you have, put that verse back up if you can. Elect exiles. You see that I've underlined it for you. Elect means this. It means chosen. We see that when we talk about elections. When we vote for people, that's the majority has chosen a candidate. So elect means chosen. And, and what he's talking about here to the people is that you have been chosen by God and you are privileged. But then he uses the word exiles. And exile means that you're a foreigner. You're a stranger in a foreign land. Thus, stranger beings as our sermon series topic. He says, you're not going to fit in as other people do. You'll be a stranger. You're going to be different socially. You're going to be different spiritually. So using the term elect exiles as one description for these people is an oxymoron. That means it's, it's seemingly contradictory. How can you be elect and privileged and also be an exile who's disadvantaged? Peter is basically saying to them, I'm addressing you as the disadvantaged privileged ones. That you're privileged, but you're disadvantaged. You're disadvantaged privileged ones. In many ways... Your privilege is going to put you in a brand new category far above anything you've ever known before. In other ways, it's going to cause you to live with a disadvantage in this estranged world. This is the only time in the Bible that this elect exiles phrase is used. And Peter is making a powerful point. What he's saying to them is, listen, you're different. There's something different about you. Very different. But what is different about you is a good thing even though it's going to cause you to be disadvantaged in some ways in the world. It's a good thing. So who are the people he's writing to? In order to study a a letter like this, it's good to know who the author is and who the audience is, who wrote it and who did they write it to. If you go back to 112 AD, which is uh, within the generation of of Christ's witnesses of Christ's resurrection, in the province around, uh, around where this was written, there was a guy named Pliny the Younger. He was a governor, and he was hell-bent on eradicating this movement of Christians. He couldn't stand them. In fact, this is one of the quotes from uh, ancient literature. It says, many persons of every age, and he's talking about who these Christians are, who these exiles are. He says, many people at, of every age, every rank, and also of both sexes, are associated with Christianity and that the contagion, which means the spread from one person to another, the contagion of this superstition, as he calls it, has spread not only to the cities, but also to the villages and the farms. So he's saying, this stuff is going from person to person and it's affecting everyone. It's not discriminatory. But he wanted to wipe out this religion because he thought it was foolishness. And remember, some of the people that were alive during this time were either alive during the resurrection or alive and knew people who had eyewitnessed the resurrection. But the good news is, Pliny did not get his way. 
He wasn't able to stamp out this movement of Christianity. He wasn't able to go in and and figure out a way to stop it from spreading person to person. And the reason he couldn't do that is because it was true. It kept going forward because, indeed, Christ did rise again. He couldn't stamp out the truth. It was not superstition. So we see that, that the elect exiles didn't discriminate with gender, class, and all these other things that we like to discriminate on. You know what I mean by like, right? That we do as a people. We discriminate by how people look, how they talk, how, they, um, how, they, uh, how much money they have, where they live. We discriminate that way. But Christianity did not do that. In fact, it even goes further. Later in the letter, we see that the chosen and the elect of this audience that Peter is writing to included slaves and included women. And if you look with me in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this, chapter 2, verse 18. Peter is writing and he says, servants, there's also slaves here. Slaves, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle ones, but also to the unjust. And we skip ahead a few verses to chapter 3, verse 1, and he talks to the wives, the women. He says, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by conduct of their wives. Now, some of you think I slipped that in because I'm married, right? Yeah, I know. Sometimes I throw that one out. First Peter 3, 1, but I do it joking around. Um, but the cool thing about this is you think, man, he was talking to slaves and saying, be, be faithful. Even if your master is harsh and he's telling the wives, you must submit to your husband and honor them. Well, we're going to cover these in much more depth in future weeks, but there's one powerful truth I want to address tonight. Peter, by simply addressing them by name, is showing that the faith of Christianity is different. The fact that he didn't tell the men to go and tell the slaves this. He didn't tell the men to go and tell the wives to do this. He addressed them individually. That's unheard of for this time. He was saying slaves are to be respected, loved, and honored, and I'm going to speak directly to them. You are the elect. He was saying to the women, you are not second class to men, but you're to be honored. You are the elect. The masters were not told, make sure your slaves submit to you. The slaves were told, choose to be different. Make this choice yourself. Make that choice and glorify God. The the men were not told, make your wives submit or else. But the wives were spoken to and they said, honor your husband for the glory of God and for the good of your husband. Choose to be different. And the men were later told to love their wives with understanding because they're heirs of grace. He didn't tell the wives to make their husbands do it. Nag him until he finally does it. But he spoke to the men and he said, honor your wives. They are co-heirs of grace. Make the choice to be different. They were told as the elect exiles be different. So how can we live differently? How can we choose today to be different? And if you want to follow along in your uh, worship folder, there's an outline there, and we'll start with number one. The first thing that we see tonight is that we have a different faith. The first thing that's different about us is that we have a different faith. Now, there are many faiths in our world today. Many people think that all religions are the same, but because of that, most people who think that um, 
Most, many people think that all religions are the same, and because of that, many people are wrong. Because religions are not the same. All religions are not the same. The Christian faith is different in many ways, and we'll see a couple of ways that the Christian faith is different in this text. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2 is where we'll pick up. It says, he just addressed them, the exile, uh, the elect exiles, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit. And we'll stop there. According to the foreknowledge, and I have that underlined, of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit. So he's saying the foreknowledge is that God knew you and he chose you. He foreknew you. I knew this was happening. I chose you. And the sanctification of the Spirit says that God is working in us. It's not something that we're doing for him, but it's him doing something in us. So our faith is different in a major way. It's not us who search to find God. It's not us who has finally found religion. It's not us who have finally figured out how we can become good enough. Our faith is different. Our faith is God seeking us, God finding us, and God doing the work himself to not only make us good enough, but to surpass that and make us righteous. You see the big difference? Basically, most other religions have a mountain, and it's our job to climb that mountain of good works to finally get to God. But Christianity says that God is on the mountain, and he has come down to where we are. Drastically different. A different faith. In Romans chapter 8, verse 29, it reads, For those, for those whom he foreknew, again, there's that word again, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. So God knew you, God chose you, his chosen ones are on a path, and that path is going to lead, lead them to be conformed to the image of God. So this tells us our faith is different, that you're not on a path of death any longer in Christ, but you're on a path of victory, you're on a path of abundance, you're on a path of grace, you're on a path of mercy, you're on a path of love, you're on the path of life. You don't have to worry about measuring up to a certain standard anymore in your life because God has chosen you and God is going to finish the work that he has started in you. You do not have to accept defeat or shame anymore in your life. You no longer have to live with regret. Your faith isn't in the works that you have done in your life. Your faith is not in the works that you have done in your life. Your faith rests in the perfect work of Jesus. And because Jesus never failed, you are always secure. You are different. The faith is different. Your faith is different, and all of the glory goes to God. None of it goes to us. That's number one. The first step to choosing to be different is to remember we have a different faith. The second one is this. We have a different focus. A different focus. Other religions focus on, on doing good works, and hopefully at the end of the, the good will outweigh the bad. And the, the systems of the world tell us that, so, okay, on one hand, you got the, the religious side that says, keep doing good, keep doing good, and eventually, hopefully, the good will outweigh the bad. The non-religious world would say, 
you know what, it doesn't really matter what you do because this is the only shot you got. You know, it's kind of like Eminem. You just got this one shot, so don't miss your chance, right? So live in La Vida Loca, do everything you can, have everything you want, pursue riches, me, me, me. Well, well that's, both of those miss the mark on both sides of where focus should be in our lives. The Christian has a very different focus in life. Instead of one extreme or the other, we don't spend our lives trying to earn God's grace over here and his acceptance. We don't try to to earn his acceptance by doing good works. And also, we don't focus on the here and now and try to do everything possible and see everything possible and have every, every experience possible. That's not where the Christian focus is. But instead, it's in the middle. And we look again at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. We'll read it again. According to the foreknowledge of God the Father and the sanctification of the Spirit, which is point number one, right? And the point number two comes from here. For obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. Now, the word obedience here is a word that is certainly part of the Christian's life. So by saying that we don't have to work to earn God's acceptance in no way suggests that we are not to live a life of obedience. We are most assuredly to live a life of obedience to Jesus Christ. We don't receive God's grace and mercy so we can just do whatever we please. But when the grace and the mercy of God is realized in our hearts, when it becomes real to us, our desires change and we want to be obedient to Jesus. It changes who we are. God chose us and then he set us apart so that we would obey him. Now the sprinkling with his blood part may seem a little out there if you're not familiar with uh, Jewish Old Testament and our Old Testament as well. But we'll, we'll look at this because there's a guy named Moses which you probably have heard of. Moses, he sprinkled blood on the people of Israel who declared that they would obey the Lord. So I'm going to read this for us, and then we'll talk about it for a second as well. It's in Exodus chapter 24, which is in the Old Testament. So Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice, and this is what they said. All the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So you see their desire to be obedient to the Lord. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. That's a lot of work, Moses. Number five, he sent young men to the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of, the, of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins. And half of the blood he threw against the altar. Then he said, then he took the book of the covenant and read it. In the hearing of the people. Kind of like what I'm doing right now. I'm reading the word of God over you. He's reading the book of the covenant over the, in the hearing of the people. And they said in response, All that the Lord has spoken we will do. And we will be obedient. And Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, Behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with with all these words. So, I brought some blood. I didn't really. But I just pictured that, how weird that is for me to think of to be in a setting where someone would sprinkle blood all over me. And the reason we don't do things the same way is not because we're evolved and we're 
Uh, we've, we've figured things out. But the reason we do that is because we have been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. We don't have to go through and make sacrifices anymore of animals, but it, we are sprinkled with the blood of Jesus. He is the ultimate sacrifice that all of the Old Testament sacrifices pointed towards. They were precursors. They were foreshadowings. They were, um, they were looking in advance to the ultimate sacrifice that God would give through his son. And now we look back on the sacrifice of Jesus. But to be sprinkled with Jesus' blood, here's what that meant. You ready? It meant to be cleansed from one's former way of living, that you're clean, that you're anew, and you are now not only clean, but you are released from spiritual slavery by the power of his death. Isn't that good news? That you're clean, you're forgiven, and you're released from the slavery to sin, that you don't have to do that anymore that you're released, you're free. There's freedom in the house of the Lord, as we sang earlier. To be free from sin takes the sacrifice of life. Someone has to pay the penalty of sin. We've all fallen short of the glory of God, and we are condemned to die because of it. But something happened so that we don't have to experience that death. Some of you know that we have a, a dog, Carly, who's the best thing that's ever happened to me. If you, it's okay to laugh because I'm exaggerating, but she is amazing. And this past week, she got really sick, and we thought she was going to die. And I stayed up with her in the middle of the night because it was a snowstorm coming, and I did not think I was going to wake up with her still alive. So I stayed up in the middle of the night, and every little move she made, it made me wonder if she was going off to die. Um, she had lost a lot of weight. It was really sad. And I, I wrestled with the fact that, um, that I used to be one of those people that didn't really have a lot of sympathy for people who lost pets. But now, as the owner of this pet, I'm, I'm, I'm invested. And it hurt. And as I'm, I'm praying for her, I'm, I'm literally praying for her that God would heal her. This scripture starts to come to my mind, and I start to remember the sacrifices of the Old Testament. And we tend to look at the Old Testament and think, oh, those people were heartless. They would just take animals and they would slaughter them and throw blood everywhere. They're, they're crazy. They're archaic. What did they do that for? But it wasn't that way. They didn't have this low view of life. In fact, it was a high view of life. When they sacrificed these animals, it, it wasn't just the one that they didn't want. They would sacrifice the best. And it cost them financially. And these were oftentimes the, the type of animals that sometimes they would even raise from birth. You become connected to animals. It, it, it hurt them. And I thought about the potential of, of my Carly dying. And it hurt me. And then I looked in her eyes and I remember some, some friends that I've lost to death. And then I remembered this verse here too. That if it hurt that much for me to lose a pet, and if it hurt even worse to lose a friend, how much more would it have hurt if I had seen the, lot, the eyes of Jesus and I had been the one that had seen him crucified? How much would that have really hurt me? And as deep as that pain would be, how much more would I be celebrating his life when I saw him raised from the dead. Hallelujah. He rose from the dead. Jesus' blood is sprinkled over you. 
the most precious blood in the world, the blood of the Son of God. It wasn't a prized or beloved valuable animal that was given for you and me. It was the Son of God who gave his life. It was his blood that flowed from his body through the brutal, excruciating death on a cross. And because of this, our focus on obedience and good works is different. See, we look at Jesus' work and, and how perfect it was, and we now know that we don't have to worry about being accepted by God. We don't have to worry about our good outweighing our bad because our good is the goodness of this Jesus. It's the goodness of the Son of God. And there is nothing bad in Him. It changes us. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14, which is just a few verses after this, he says this, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. He's like, dude, you used to not know any better, okay? And God's grace is covering you. But now that you know, don't go back there. Choose to live differently. Choose to be different because you are different. Look at what God has done for you. We have obedience and good works that are different now because we don't have to prove ourselves. And now we focus not on, on the world differently too. So religion is different, but also the, the world is different too because now we, we look at how Jesus gave his life for others and how he was resurrected from the dead never to die again. And we know that through faith in Jesus, we will also be resurrected from the dead just like him, never to die again. With that reality, we don't fear missing out. We don't suffer with FOMO anymore. We don't care. We realize that what the world has to offer pales in comparison to what we have in Christ. We're not missing out on what it has to offer because we have already become recipients of what Jesus has to offer, and that's eternal life. So we choose to spend our time differently. Instead of looking to be served, we now look to give. We now look to serve. So a second step in choosing to be different is remembering that we as Christians have a different focus. And the third way is this. Remember that we have a different favor. A different favor. So favor in the world means you get good breaks, you get the promotion, you get new apartments, you get bonuses, you move up the ladder, and things go your way. But favor in Christianity means that no matter what circumstances you find yourself in, you are highly favored by God. Whether you're moving on up to the east side or whether you have to go back and live with mom and dad for a while, you are highly favored. Whether you're in poverty or prosperity, whether you're in sickness or in health, whether you're in whatever position, the favor of the Lord is upon his children. You are highly favored. Specifically today, we see that God's grace and his peace is given to us in the fullest measure. Look back with me in verse 2 of 1 Peter. It says, according to the foreknowledge of God and the Father, which again is a different faith, in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Christ Jesus and for sprinkling with his blood, which is a different um, what was the difference? What was the second one? Oh, I forgot. I don't have the thing up here. Focus. I lost my focus. 
Sometimes God just hands it to you on a silver platter right there. I lost my focus. So you have focus, and then you see at the end, it says, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. This translation um, is, is one of many different options, and there's some other ones help us understand what's being said here uh, to a more fuller measure, pun intended. But the word multiplied here means to have this. It means to have yours in the fullest measure. This doesn't mean like, okay, multiply it by how many? One, two, three? But it means the fullest amount. The, the message translation says this. It says, may everything good from God be yours. May everything good from God be yours. What an amazing blessing that Peter is speaking over his people right now. That may the grace and peace of God be on you in its fullest measure. May everything that is good with God be yours. I receive that. It's not the first time that this has happened. In in the book of Daniel, we see it twice. And so Peter is most likely trying to connect them to this so that they would see it as well. There's only one Daniel, but Daniel chapter 4, verses 1 uh, and following, it says this, King Nebuchadnezzar, Uh, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth. This is what he said. Peace, and it also means, uh, and prosperity. The word peace here is shalom, which means everything. It's peace, prosperity, health, everything. It's not just like, you know, peace. It's everything. Peace and prosperity be multiplied to you. It has seemed good to me to show the signs and wonders that the Most High God has done for me. How great are his signs, how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. Another king, a few chapters later, says the same thing in Daniel 6. King Darius says the same thing. May God's peace and prosperity be multiplied to you. So we have a different favor. There is favor in the world, but we have a favor that transcends that that no matter our circumstances, we are favored by God. We have favor that lasts. And so this understanding that we have a different favor from God, that he loves us, that he is for us, needs to really get down into the, the heart of who we are so that we can live as stranger beings in this world, to know that God truly is for us. No matter what I go through, that he's going to show me and shower me with grace and peace to the fullest measure. Remember that you have different favor. God wants to to fill you with purpose in your work. You don't just go to work to pay the bills. God wants to do things through you in your work. He wants to do things in your learning, whether you're in school or going back to school. He wants to do things in that. He wants to do things of, of grace and peace in your relationships. He wants to flood peace and prosperity into your marriages He wants to flood your relationship with your kids with peace and prosperity. He even wants to have your roommates, your relationship with them, filled with peace and prosperity. God wants to cause you to flourish in the marketplace. He wants to do creative things through you. He wants to promote you. He wants to bless you with all the good that he has. This is what it says. May it be everything good with God. May it be to you. May it be yours He will pour out his goodness on you and he will make much of you if you will choose to be different. If you will choose to be different. Instead of trusting in yourself 
like so many do, choose to be different and trust in the Lord for everything. Have you made that choice to be different in your life? Have you surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus? Do you belong to him? Have you surrendered your job to him? Have you surrendered your thoughts, your marriage, your desires, your finances, your relationships? What is keeping you? What are you holding on to that is keeping you for surrendering, from surrendering to the Lord today? And if you can pinpoint what that thing is, you ready? The thing that's keeping you from trusting in the Lord in every way, that is your God. That is what you're trusting in. You're trusting in that more than you're trusting in the Lord. And the question I would have you to consider is, is that thing or that person, whatever it is for you, is that more trustworthy than Jesus is? Is that more trustworthy than the one who never fails? I know it's difficult when we go through hard times. God's favor, to be clear, and I think I was clear earlier, God's favor doesn't mean that we're not going to go through difficult times. It just means that as we go through them, God's going to somehow, eventually, turn it for our good. He's going to use it somehow. C.S. Lewis said this, he wrote, Hardships often prepare ordinary people for extraordinary things or an extraordinary destiny. Hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. Jesus suffered the most excruciating hardship when he went to the cross. And this is not me saying, look, get over it, okay? I know your life's tough. But Jesus went to the cross, so, you know, you can't tell us what you're going through. That's not what this is. Jesus knows your pain. He knows what you're going through, and he cares about that. But he suffered the most excruciating hardship when he went to the cross. And what he did was he took upon our sin, and he received the judgment of God. But because he wasn't deserving of it, because he laid down his life for us, God raised him from the dead, and he accepted that sacrifice. He faced extraordinary hardship in his life of the extreme kind so that you and I would not have to. Now we have a choice to make. Are we going to follow him wherever he leads us? Will we trust the one that laid down his life for us? Will we choose to be different? And I'm going to answer that question for you tonight. You ready? I believe you will. I believe you will choose to be different. That today is a turning point for you. I believe you're going to choose to love Jesus, that you're going to choose to trust him with everything you have. You're going to see this year marked with a different faith, a different focus, which I remembered this time, and you're going to be marked with a different favor. If you're trusting in Jesus, and God is with you, and if you're trusting in Jesus, I believe you will choose to be different. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for an opportunity tonight to begin a journey through this letter of the Bible. And I pray, God, that you would cause us to desire you more than we want to fit in. I pray that you would cause us to 
to trust you with everything in our lives, even when it's difficult. And I pray that you would cause us to stand out in ways that would, that would bring attention to us. People would see that we are different. And you would use those opportunities for us to tell them of the reason why. The reason we are different is because God has found us and we have surrendered to his pursuit of us. We trust you as Lord, and I pray your favor over us. In Jesus' name, amen.